Hello, everybody, and welcome to our next episode of Cities Speak. I'm Clarence Anthony, your host, CEO, and Executive Director of the National League of Cities. Today, we're going to shake things up a little bit, and uh, we are talking to Steve Goldsmith, Professor of Urban Policy at the Harvard Kennedy School. Now, many of you probably have heard of Mayor Goldsmith. You probably even heard of Deputy Mayor of New York from 2010 through 2011. And even before that, he has been involved in the work of public policy. He's uh, the director of Data Smart City Solutions Program at the Bloomberg Center for Cities at Harvard University, a project that highlights local government efforts to connect big data, big data, with city input while shaping the relationship between the government and the citizens that we serve. You know, NLC has been really focused on how we can better use data to inform best practices across cities in a whole bunch of ways. So I'm excited today that I'm sitting down and I'm speaking with Steve, and I want to learn about how we do that, but more importantly, about the work that he is engaged in. Welcome, Steve. How are you? I'm fine. I'm honored to be with you, and I appreciate the important role of NLC in providing services to cities and your leadership as well. So thank you, Clarence, for the honor to be with you. Well, I'd like our audience to know that we've had a long relationship working with you. I have oftentimes uh, been at conferences and you uh, and I uh, look at each other and we, we, we say, we got to talk. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. There's so much going on. We got to talk. So today is our opportunity to talk. Let me um, first, I know who you are and your journey to public service. Do you mind talking a little bit about what drew you to public service and what was your journey to where you are now and the work that you're doing? Yeah, thanks. I'll do this quickly. I'm, I'm almost a, a living advertisement poster for NLCs. Um, Nobody's asked me this on a podcast before, but I'll tell you this because nobody except you may care about this, that when I was in high school and a freshman in college, I decided I wanted to be a mayor. I thought that was the hardest job in America and the one where I could do the most good. And there was a guy in Indianapolis named Dick Luger, who was uh, he was president of the school board when I was a high school kid there and wrote me a note that uh, that motivated me. And he was a Rhodes Scholar, became mayor of Indianapolis. And so you know, he motivated me as did the opportunity. So I went to law school because you can't go to mayor's school, right? You got to do something else along the way, right? And so then I eventually became a district attorney. And in that process, uh, you know, saw kind of the worst of the city. I don't mean that in terms of the people themselves, but just the kind of the, the trauma. And, uh, and that re, uh, I recommitted myself. I wanted to run around and get on the front of those problems, right, to see how I could make a difference. So I ran for mayor and one served a couple terms, so chief policy advisor to George Bush in the 2000 campaign, chairman of AmeriCorps, uh, went to Harvard to run this uh, program on innovations, uh, went to New York City for two years to be deputy mayor for Mike Bloomberg, and then back to Harvard. That's my last hundred years in public service. 
So, I mean, that is a great journey and a good way uh, to uh, doing the work that you've done. Was uh, the role of mayor what you really thought it would be? Was the best job in America? Yeah, I like to say it wasn't what I thought it would be, but it was what I thought it'd be times 10. Because as you know, and your, and your members know, there is no other job where you can wake up in the morning and say, there's a problem, there's a person who's hurting, I'm going to solve that problem and have it and get it done. And that's really motivating, right? If you if you're going to get above the tangle of the kind of the, the daily deluge of political kind of firestorms, but if you just keep your, your, your focus on the people who live in your city, whether your city is 10,000 or 8 million, there is no better job because there's nowhere where you can accomplish more. It was everything I th- thought it would be and more. Well, one of these days, you and I are going to catch up on coffee and we can talk about how it has changed over the last years and, and what is our role. You know, talking about the role, the role at Harvard, you have a big focus on how data can help city leaders better lead their cities, better decision making, and helping them be better policymakers. But there is a piece of data that also adds to creating transparency and building trust. Talk to me about some of the innovative ways and interesting ways you're seeing cities use data to inform policy, but also outcomes. Right. Thank you. Well, as you know, because this is your your life's work as well, uh, even though trust in government has uh, plummeted, it hasn't plummeted in cities. It may be down slightly, but people still trust their local government. And trust, I think, is based on two things. I'm on my way to answering your question more specifically. But one is that you have to know what your residents care about. And then you have to help resolve their problems. And then you have to tell them about it. Right. So it's a virtual, virtuous cycle, right, of understanding, listening, acting and telling and repeating. And digital tools allow you to listen to your community more completely, whether you're doing community town hall meetings or sent- or listening to social sentiment or doing surveying, right, broadly listening or producing more online conversations so that just small groups of people don't necessarily dominate. So how to listen and how to use the data. So that's one issue. A second is the reason we talk so much about data is because we think data platforms can bring together collaborations, whether they're collaborations across the verticals of a city or whether they involve nonprofits, for-profits, and government. So, so to me, the opportunity of transparency, yes, it's transparency, but it's transparency plus. It's how do you use transparency where people can see what you're doing to understand how their lives are better as a result of the work. And then finally, uh, with enough transparency, you can preempt the problems. You can understand what a community whose voice has been buried in the past. Now, if you listen carefully enough, if you see what they're saying, if you go to their meetings, if you watch their anonymized social media, you can intervene more quickly and responsibly. That's just a, a few of the ways. And then I guess finally, Clarence, just to mention the the obvious, but right, the purpose of data is to make services better. So how do we look at those services from the view of the resident? How can we get him or her there what they deserve more quickly? Those are all components of it. You know, we we talk about the use of data and using it in a way to improve the lives of, of residents. Now that's that's really powerful. Talk to me a little bit 
about the importance of pairing hard data together with community input and insights. And do you have a, an example of that or a city community that has actually done that successfully? There, there are different ways, I think, to answer your question. You can get hard data in terms of analytics. Let's think about analyzing uh, hospital data and lead pipe remediation to determine where the most problematic pipes are that produce lead conditions that hurt people. Uh, let's think about how you evaluate your code inspections to determine which houses have the most significant problems. But then why don't we add to that uh, either a community meeting or, you know, Detroit and New Orleans have done just asking their citizens to take pictures of problem areas and upload those to a city site. So you've got the hard data and the community engagement. I mean, we we just did it. We run this uh, site at uh, Harvard uh, with with uh, NLC's uh, participation from time to time called Data Smart City Solutions. And we did a recent story on Multnomah County and Portland City, where the question was, as it was in Philadelphia, if a resident is hurting and signs up for public housing or what used to be called Section 8 or food, what other benefits do they qualify for? And then how do we use digital tools to identify those benefits and help them sign up? So what's the combination of analyzing a problem and listening to the community so that you have a complete picture and then you can figure out how to solve it? I could talk for hours. I'm trying to talk fast enough that I get everything in in the 60 seconds between questions. Well, we got time because this is so important that municipal leaders understand, especially, you know, the examples that you gave. Many of those challenges and issues are not seen visibly by residents. You're talking about the water wastewater systems. You're talking about the leakage of pipes. You're talking about lead running through systems. And data really can help us, one, identify the challenge, secondly, come up with a solution, but also measure our success in terms of the lead, the quality of the water. And so this really is uh, work that needs to be done. Are you finding that municipal leaders are eager to use data more uh, intentionally? I, you know, uh, it's been, I don't know, eight, nine years since I was deputy mayor for Mike Bloomberg. And we tried to set up the country's first data analytics center. It was, you know, we kind of succeeded, but it was a little early. If you look at, we run a program at Harvard for chief data officers from the 25 cities. And if you look at the tools they have now compared to the tools that I had nine years ago, it's like I'm like I was in a different century, not not just a different decade. So, so there is a lot more activity. When we first did the chief data officers uh, group, we had seven chief data officers. So that's all there were in the country, and now there are you know dozens and dozens. So all that is good. The technology is advanced. Cities have advanced. I'd say the challenges, though, Clarence, are the following: one. How do you imagine a solution across the agency lines? I, I once asked my chief data officers, what's the biggest problem they had? And they said, 
we got to get our city leaders to ask us the right questions. We have the answers. It's we don't have the questions. So how do we think about questions across the agencies that bring the data together? So we have, and then we have a little bit of a structural problem. Cities have, you know, as over the last hundred years, have a lot of rules, a lot of procurement rules, a lot of HR rules, a lot of hierarchical rules. Data allows you to see through those layers and see through uh, those walls. So we need to think of ways to help our public employees work smarter, give them the tools to do it. So lots of progress, but we've only, only at the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I agree. And I think that all of us are looking at you know data and technology platforms that are changing uh, every day. I mean, we're, we're seeing the introduction of artificial intelligence, autonomous vehicles, 5G, technologies that improve climate change. One of the things that when I talk to mayors on, on City Speak, as well as at our conferences, they all say that they are now a smart city. Uh, and I think it's so interesting because times have really changed, as you said, over the last nine years. Can you talk a little bit about, with, with all of that in mind, what does a smart city look like to you? And what do you see changing uh, in the next 10, 20, or 50 years? Well, first of all, I appreciate this as a podcast, so you're asking me questions. I also appreciate the fact you know the answers to all these questions. You're just letting me provide them. So I, I give all my answers respectfully. If you want to kind of second guess or rebut them, please do so. Oh, let's go then. Let's go. <laughs> so there isn't a very good you know, definition of, of a smart city. I, and on our data smart side, talk a little bit about how we use data to produce good, right? So, so what's the definition of a smart city? It's one that uses data to deliver cities based on services of when and where they do the most good. It's one that uses digital platforms and IoT data to improve the way it builds, maintains, and uses physical infrastructure. It's a city where public employees work smarter because they have more data and more information. It's one that involves the public in, in multiple ways because of the digital tools. It operates more equitably and uses data for resiliency. In other words, to me, it's a privacy, security, transparency, the ability to act more quickly. But in the end, the definition of a smart city is one that uses technology to serve its residents better. Yeah, I, I like that definition. I always say people first, resident first. Uh, Philadelphia has done a lot of that in terms of developing uh, their smart cities response uh, and, and programs. So the piece I wanna talk a little bit about is NLC is gonna turn 100 years old in 2024. I'm thinking about the next 50 years, about what do we see as it relates to data? What do we see in relates to smart cities platforms that's gonna use the resident first concept? What would you think we'd be doing? This is a wonderful question. Uh, and I think maybe, maybe the most important question for the future we differentiate a little bit between government and governance, right? Government's how a mayor utilizes his or her authority inside their bureaucracy, not in a pejorative sense, but the people who work for him or work for her. 
We use governance in terms of how a mayor uses his or her leadership to bring together the assets of the community in behalf of a public issue, right? So how do you bring people together at the table, nonprofit, philanthropic, city, and maybe in some cases for-profit, to improve the city? Once you say that's the challenge, then you've got to have a data platform that brings together the pieces. So for example, we did a little book called Growing Fairly about a year ago on workforce, right? And, and so everybody thinks workforce is, is important. But if you step back and say, well, in a city, you've got community colleges, you've got four-year colleges, you've got mayors, you've got workforce investment boards, you've got training organizations, you've got employers, you've got employees, right? You have uh, nonprofits that are trying to help folks get to the first. Well, somebody has to call those people together, I would suggest the mayor, and provide a data platform that says, okay, we know we need more our programmers. Well, hey, community college, you need one more course or, or one more class, right? So, you know, or, or hey, Mr. Major Employer, you're going to have, or Miss, Mrs. Major Employer, you're going to have X number of jobs you need over the next 10 years. Help us identify those now so that we can train. Or how about the infrastructure construction money that the administration is putting out? That's a chance for hugely redesigned and scaled up apprentice programs at a level we've never had before. So I've just, you can do that in almost any area, but, but the point is if you're going to act in terms of collaboration and bring people to the table, they have to be informed by data so that they solve the problems. I think that will, your definite, your question relates to platform. Those data platforms can create systems instead of activities which improve the challenges, opportunities, and equity for people living in cities. I 100% agree with you. And I think that as we look at this issue of using data and decision-making and the platforms that are out there connected to the goal of improving our communities, I think we will have it, gotten it right. Let, let, me, let me ask you this question. And uh, it's it's one of those that when you are doing the work that you're doing, no matter what that is, whether it's mayor, city manager, chief information officer, you do it because you know you got something in you that you want to do this work. I could say this work around uh, data smart solutions is a calling for you uh, because I've known you, and I can just uh, anytime I'm around you. Uh, you're so prophetic about it. What do you want to see happen with your work that would transform America's cities, towns, and village? What gets you up every morning around this topic? I love your questions. I, ha I may have to take you up on opportunities for more coffee with you. This is terrific. I believe that we have tools today that were unimaginable 10, 20, 30 years ago for the purposes of improving life in America's cities. And we have highly committed public officials. So if we, I think the exciting opportunity is improve the data literacy, improve the way we think about the application of those tools, bring people together about the quality of their lives instead of the polarization that we see in the politics. So if we focus on people who are hurting in many places, how can we help them? How can we learn more about the help that they need? How do we understand their context? Then I think you could, 
Let me just kind of interrupt my last sentence by saying the following, as you know, Clarence, because you've been at this so long as well, that people go to work in a city for, because they want to help people. They don't go to work in a city because they want to become millionaires, right? So they're motivated when they think their work actually is helping somebody. It's when they think their work is mindless that they kind of lose their motivation. Every, most every city in America is having trouble recruiting public employees. So that, but that looks like a problem. But in some ways, maybe not. Maybe we then train up our existing employees so that they're more productive, they have more discretion, they can solve more problems, and they have more fulfillment in their jobs. So for me, I, this looks like the perfect moment in time to improve the working conditions and opportunities for America's public employees as a way of improving the quality of life in their cities. Wow. That, that, that is a, a powerful vision for our communities. And I think that we have municipal leaders that are excited about trying to achieve that big audacious goal, if you will. If a city is interested in getting engaged and involved uh, with the data smart city solutions, uh, how do they do that? Well, Harvard uh, Kenya School and the Bloomberg Center on Cities where I work values its relationship with NLC. So Anything that you see through your constituents that we can help with is one way. Secondly, we have a pretty good website. And by that, I mean we have uh, uh, over 100 case studies of how data and analytics has been utilized in some city to improve the quality of service. So take a look. And um, I'm with, my email is listed on that site, as there are others. And look, if you're, if you're a city official, if you're an NLC member, we're here to be of assistance. Well, I want to say thank you so much because we do want to get our members engaged with you working hand in hand to be able to use data and dream about being, quote unquote, a real smart city and just not look at having electric uh, metering or to have EV uh, stations. It's a lot, lot more than that. And I got to tell you, I learned a lot today from this conversation, and I hope our audience did. You and I can probably talk for a long time about our co-commitment and aligned commitment to the work of making our nation better by working with cities uh, throughout America. So City Speak uh, subscribers, audience, you have had the honor of hearing uh, Stephen Goldsmith uh, director of the Data City Solutions Center uh, at the Bloomberg Center for Cities at Harvard University. And I will say a good friend of the National League of Cities and mine as well. So thank you uh, so much for being here today. Thank you for your great work. And again, my honor to be with you. Thanks again. All right. Y'all have a good day. Thanks for listening to City Speak with Clarence Anthony. If you like the show, let us know. Share this episode with your friends and make sure to subscribe. We're curious to hear what you think, what you want more of, and how we can improve. If you have feedback or an idea for a guest you'd like Clarence to sit down with, send us your thoughts at citiespeakpodcast at nlc.org. Join us next month for a new episode. Like and subscribe here or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.